I've got Alex, thank you so much for being here, mate. Lovely to meet you. And you, thank you for having me. So, we're going to be talking about something which is um, very, very important, and I think some, a bit of a dark art sometimes when people start thinking about it. Uh, there's all sorts of weird and wonderful ways to think about average check size, and I love getting into this conversation because um, when, you, when you often speak to an operator like yourself, they, you often find really specific ways that to do it that other people haven't thought about. So I'm sure some of those are going to come up today, which is going to be great. Just before we get into it, can you just give us sort of 60 seconds on who you are, I guess, the business you work for, and I guess why you want to talk about uh, average check size? Yeah, no problem at all. Um, so like I said, my name is Alex. I am a restaurant manager, essentially, um, overseeing a couple of restaurants in a small group. Um, the restaurants themselves are pretty straightforward, kind of what you'd expect on high street stuff. Um, one of them is quite a fancy experience place, so it's covered in dinosaurs and dragons, and there's a little bit more to it than that. Um, but ultimately, they operate in the exact same way as any other restaurant. Um, so I spent the last 15, 20 years now um, in the industry, kind of worked pretty much every position outside of a kitchen, and a couple inside a kitchen, but it, it wasn't for me, that one. Um, and yeah, just kind of over the last few years, realized that it's one of those jobs I don't feel like I could do forever. Um, just the energy needed and, and just kind of the hours you need to put into it. So now kind of looking at ways to find how I can use the knowledge I've acquired over the last 20 years to help other people. Um, and the fact that we lose approximately a restaurant every day in the UK um, wow. is not a statistic I'm okay with. So even if I can use my knowledge and help one of those from not shutting down forever, um, yeah, it'd be worth it. Superb, yeah, and you're doing a brilliant job because I came across you on LinkedIn. You, you've, um, I'm not sure how how long you've been doing it, but I've been following along for sort of six months or so. Um, okay, and you're you're posting some great stuff on there, really, really interesting, um, useful bits, sort of every couple of days. So keep doing that because I think um, there's a lot of people. Well, sometimes it feels like there's not a lot of hospitality people on LinkedIn. Sometimes. There are a lot of people who are taking in this information and you never know the sort of what um, impact that's having. So keep doing that, mate. That's uh, It's brilliant work you're doing there. Yeah, I appreciate saying. Thank you. Um, so one of the pieces which I kind of came across um, was on your your LinkedIn newsletter and it was all about average check size. Um, and I guess the big idea that I sort of took from that and the bit in the middle which is in bold and I, I will actually put the link to this in the show notes so just a quick note to the listener if you if you want to follow along or read this later I will put the link to the actual article in the in the show notes but it's this idea of focusing on where and not cost so when, you, when you're essentially buying a meal or a drink or whatever trying to get the customer and me the customer to think about the worth of that and not the cost First thing, can you just define that for me? What do you actually mean by that? It's an idea I've taken from a couple of podcasts that I listen to um, from basically multi nine-figure earning, multi, 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 multi-millionaires. Um, and it's just a different way of thinking. Um, and I get the average person that comes into the restaurants that I operate, certainly, are not multi-millionaires. Um, but it's the idea of what's an experience actually worth? So how much is your three-year-old having a wonderful birthday, how much is that worth? Not, It's not focusing on, oh, it's going to cost me 200 quid. It's more like, what's it worth to them? What's it worth to us as a family? What's it worth to their friends to all kind of enjoy it together? And focusing more on the value than just a price tag. 
Um, so it's how can we enhance the value from an operation side to make sure that we deliver as much as humanly possible while still turning a profit. Um, so in the example of, I don't know, if someone's coming out for an 18th birthday, for example, and they're bringing out everyone else who's already 18, make it easy. Um, it's kind of, for a lot of them, it'll be their first experience of going out. So it's like, how can we make that the best possible experience that they're ever going to have that everything else after that almost seems boring? Um, which long term is probably not a great strategy, but short term, it's it's all just about delivering just an, a massive guest experience for people far more than what they feel like they're paying for um, to, to kind of increase that perception of value more than anything else. Yeah, I think that's the key term is that you just finished on there. It's perception of value. So if I'm paying £50 for a meal, I want to feel like it's worth more than £50. You know, the whole experience and everything's got to be worth more than £50. When I was reading through um, your article... It reminded me actually of something I heard on a podcast uh, about a year ago and it's really kind of stuck with me. And it's this idea that every pound you spend or every minute you spend as well, I guess you could say, is an, is an investment and it's either a good, a good investment or a bad investment. And the host was talking about the fact that he went to this Bon Jovi concert with his mum and it cost them, I think, like £1,500 for flights and everything in the end. And the concert was only two and a half hours. So you could say that's a terrible investment because you paid almost £750 an hour, essentially, to attend sure. this Bon Jovi concert. However, he was saying, well, I'll remember that, that experience I had with my mum forever. So you could say, really, that, you know, I'm, say, 31 now, I think this guy was. Hopefully I've got another 50, 60 years of remembering that. So I'm yeah. actually, that value is actually going to extrapolate out over the next 50 years and it really stuck with me that and that's what I was thinking when you kind of, when I read your, through your post a little bit okay interesting yeah so for your example there the Bon Jovi one as well it's whilst you, you'd hope to have another 50-60 years but it's also what's it done for the relationship in terms of bringing people closer together which I think is a lot of what food is about is getting everyone around a table that probably wouldn't always be around a table um and, and just giving them more than just food, it's giving them experience, it's, it's bringing them closer together, giving them something to talk about as well, something to remember, um, to your point that you've just said there. So for, for yeah, going for a, a Bon Jovi concert, £1,500 might sound like a lot, but it's it's no more than your average holiday, and, and people do that and sit around a pool and do nothing all day, um, which to me seems like an absolute waste of money. <laughs> but it's, it's that lack of perception of value in my mind, is what am I actually going to get out of this long term? It's not an investment for me. That's that is a cost. Um, whereas a, an experience kind of gained and, and shared between other people is is definitely an investment in my view. Yeah. So just before we go into some strategies for Im improving, I guess worth. I want to just really sort of really clarify what happens if you focus on cost because I think a lot of businesses, a lot of our customers, I know focus on cost, and they're thinking, how can we? make this 20 pound revenue that we're going to get from this particular person um you know where where the from the business's side um and they're just thinking well how can we make this cocktail feel 12 pound for example what what are the big issues from that side if if a business really does that like what problems are you going to get yourself into tangibly in my experience and from everything that I've kind of read and seen and researched online over the past probably six months to a year of actually focusing on this, um, you're looking at 
it's almost then a race to the bottom. Um, if your restaurant isn't someone like a Marston's, like a Weatherspoon's, like a Green King, that has enormous buying power and they can essentially name their prices um, from their procurement team, which means that they can afford to then give sort of absolute rock bottom prices on the, the consumer end. It's it's very hard to compete with people like that. And I think by focusing on your price and how much can I essentially, or how little can I essentially charge for this, but still make it a viable business, is in long-term thinking, probably a strategy that's just going to end in closure. Um, because there is only so much or so little you can charge because you've still got overheads which are increasing. You've still got staff prices which are increasing. Um, and if you focus on, okay, let's let's have a server instead of having five tables, let's give them eight tables, you're just going to burn them out, spend the extra money on re-recruiting people and retraining people. Um, and it, it's just a, a never-ending pit for me. Whereas if you focus more on value and how perception of value and how can we make this appear to be worth double of what it actually costs, um, it means that you can then charge anything up to double um, and, and still still kind of be trading essentially i guess the aim of the game is to is to keep playing not to not to win almost i think winning the game would be to keep playing probably poorly worded that but um <laughs> hopefully like you get it. the point i'm trying makes, to make makes total sense okay excellent so let's assume we've got total buy-in from every single listener now then so let what um <laughs> what are some of the strategies and tips that you've got for people to let's say we've got a, you know a coffee shop owner or a restaurant owner who's listening to this and they're thinking okay how can i start to think about this now so that I can actually provide increased perception of value to my customer? What, what, what would be the first steps? The first baseline thing for me is making the product as good as it can possibly be. Um, so if you take something as simple as a burger, like every restaurant I've ever been to sells a burger. And there's probably two or three that stand out for me um, in terms of how well cooked was it, how dry or moist is it, how well seasoned is it, what's kind of, what's the topping like on there? Is it served with salad? Is it kind of the same stuff you get everywhere? Is it wilted? Is it fresh? What's the bun like? Um, how well cooked are the fries? Are they crispy? Are they soggy? And just every little detail about every little dish needs to be perfect um, or as close as you can possibly get it. And it's, it's the old adage of if you – it's a question I asked the other day to myself. Um, I think I put a post up about it. But it's like, have you considered that you just might not be that good? And it's, it's asking that about a product. So if, if you're getting people who come in and you're having to pay a fortune to market to these people to get them in and these, these kind of guests and bumps and seat aren't generated by word of mouth, that for me is an indication that food's just not that good. And it's, it's being brutally honest, removing all ego, removing all self-esteem from being attached to the business, to the food, to the drinks, to the staff, and actually just having a, a real honest look in the mirror and just saying, how good are we? Like, where can we improve? Because there's always somewhere to improve. Um, so for me, if you're a restaurant, people are coming there predominantly for food. So it's like, let's focus on that first. Then it's the drinks. Do they pair well with the meals? Are they things that you can't necessarily get elsewhere? Um, because when people can get them on elsewhere, then you begin to just automatically compete on price, um, which again is a place that I don't think most restaurants need to be in, in my opinion. Um, so tactically, it's how can we make the product as good as it can possibly be? 
Um, and then when it is as good as it can possibly be... Can I be, just stop you there a sec? Of course. Because uh, I think we'll have some listeners now who are thinking, okay, well, I know on my current burger, let's use your example, I have a gross profit of around £6.50, for example. So essentially, I've got £6.50 to play with, really, without increasing the quality of that burger, without increasing the price. What do you think? Are you saying that they should eat into that six pound fifty first, and then put the price up, or do you think they should increase the quality and the price at the same time? What, what, how do you think that should play out? I think the first avenues to explore would be ones that don't eat into that six fifty, but still improve the quality. If that makes sense, so it's not necessarily the ingredients, but it's what are we doing with the ingredients? Um, it's the freshness of them. It's how are they cooked? How well are they cooked? Um, if it's real quick service, it's like, are we hot holding burgers or are we doing them fresh every time? And if so, how can we ensure the quality? Um, there are obviously, if you're buying the cheapest of the cheap ingredients, which I understand why you would do that, um, cause costs aren't exactly going down, but then it's, if that's what you're doing, then maybe it's, it would be a case of let's look at maybe the, the next step up in terms of quality. Um, but at the end of the day, like salt is salt, pepper is pepper, chips are chips. Um, there's, there's only so much you can do with those things, but it's, I mean, something as silly as like the, the cooking temperature of the oil that you fry your fries in will make a massive difference to the, the quality overall. So it's, it's focusing on those little bits first that don't eat into your profit um, before you do just burn the money that otherwise you, you, you need. Got it. Perfect. That, great answer. Okay, so what's, what's next then? Next for me, we're getting the team on board. Um, so once you've nailed a product, it's how are we going to get this out to to the market to customers um and for that you in my opinion you can't not so you can't do that without a strong team in a restaurant so it's taking them through every aspect of every dish doing cook-offs uh, the amount of restaurants you've worked in that the service have never tried half the food and it's just like how can you sell something you don't know what it is and as soon as a, a customer has a question on it and they go i don't know <laughs> like i'll find out and he's like well why don't you know like surely if you're you are the salesman here like how do you not know like what comes on your burger or what sauce is served with a certain dish. Um, so it's just making sure that they are properly trained, like thoroughly through and through, um, and that they know everything that you need them to know inside out. Um, and obviously there is a learning curve. The first few weeks, it, it takes time. If you've got somebody new on board, um, they will not, they're not going to know everything all of the time, but it's giving them the opportunity to learn um, and the support that they need to do so. Um, and just finding something that each of them is passionate about. Like if you've got a bunch of vegetarians in your team trying to get them to sell the steak dishes, they're not going to. Like because for me, the, the sales process is it's what's the word? A, an exchange of energy and it's um, can't think of the word now. I know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but it's, it's getting across that conviction of this is the best product on the menu. This is the one that you need to buy. And if you don't believe that, people will see straight through it. We've got years and years and years of evolution history that tells people and trains people of how to detect when someone else is lying. So you're almost battling human nature in, in a sales process. So it's, it's um, yeah, sharing that energy, sharing that conviction with your guests. So you need your team on board to be able to do so. Mm, I love that one. That's a big part of the experience for me. And I guess by proxy, the bit, a big part of like perceived value for me is... Cause I always ask for a recommendation when I go to a restaurant and if the server doesn't 
I'll use your word, which is a great word. It doesn't have conviction in what they're telling me. It it, it really affects my experience. No, I completely agree, hundred percent. It's if if they don't have conviction, it I won't go for that product, mm. regardless. And if you can almost share the financials with them a little bit, so that you can almost align their favourites with the highest GP lines, or if they've got two or three, and be like, I'd really love you for, to push this one because this is what it looks like on the back end. Like if we can sell a hundred of these, that's an extra hundred pounds, which means we can afford more stuff, and then we can support and you can incentivize. Um, and you can almost have little competitions of who can sell the most of whichever product they want to sell. Um, and then just reward them in little ways. It doesn't always have to be like a drink after shift because I'm not sure that's necessarily a good thing. But ask them, like if, if they've if the particular shop they enjoy, like, well, here's, a, here's a voucher towards it, those kind of things. Mm. Um, make, make, a, make a bit of a game out of it. Make some friendly competition. Um, but yeah, ultimately it's, it's about the staff. They're, they're the guys on the floor selling the products. Um, so it's giving those just giving them the tools they need to do the job. Mm. Um, I've been looking at some figures recently as well. There's the one for the US is startling. Um, but most people use the, the reason of there's just not that much money around anymore. People don't want to spend as much. Mm. But the average person in the UK, um, according to, I can't remember where I got the data source from, um, but for 2023, it has around about 30,000, just over 30,000 in consumer debt. So I'm like, people are spending the money. It might not be their money, but they're still spending it. Mm. The money is out there. Mm. And in the US, it's £110,000 of dollars um, in just consumer debt, not even including the mortgages. So the money's there. People are willing to to come and pay for these experiences and pay for these meals and things. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, th- I think just kind of... I'm a big believer in the phrase, everything's my fault. So I don't like to say the money's not there and throw my hands up and go, therefore, there's nothing I can do because there's always something we can do. And I think that mindset as well is, is crucial for kind of leading the business forwards. Super, brilliant. So, okay, so we focused on the product. We focused on the way the product is presented and served. What else have we got for increasing perceived value? Perceived value, a lot of it's image. Um, so, for example, if you are serving cocktails, um, there are a million ways that you can serve the same cocktail. Um, just something as simple as a mojito. It's does it look as appealing as it possibly can do? Um, have you got sparklers? Are you using dry ice? And those things, again, they all come at a cost. Um, but across kind of each product, it's, it's pennies. Um, and it's just like, are we using fun straws? Are we using proper cubed ice? Not that horrible stuff you find in bags. Um, are we using fresh garnishes? Has every dish got a garnish on it? Because they just look nicer if they do. Um, and it's at that point you are you are spending a few extra pennies, but again, it's it's pence per dish, which creates kind of a perception of pounds more in value. Um, in my opinion, that's not a, a, a actual fact. That's just in my experience and opinion. Like people just think, wow, that's that just looks so much nicer if it's got a bit of greenery on it, or if it's got it's got to be relevant to the dish, but it's got a nice garnish on there. So yeah, people eat with their eyes a lot of the time. So it's ensuring that we also cater to those. My wife is um, loves a cocktail, loves a wine, and is her experience is massively affected by the glass that it comes in. Yeah. So you know, she I can't even remember what type of glass she she likes to be honest with you, but she's really particular about the glasses that that she has with her wines and with her, you know, for, even down to the fact she likes thin glass. I mean, that, okay, that's obviously a preference, 
Sure. But it just goes to show that like you can make an impact on this perceived value of the customer with probably almost everything if you just pay like enough detail to it. Yeah, yeah, even to, to your point there, even something like a beer, like having it in a branded glass makes a massive difference yeah. to having it in just a standard tulip pint that's you've probably picked up from you know, the cash and carry. Um, whereas like, the, the brewers, for the most part, will just give them to you for free. So I'm like, just take them. And then people get the actual product that they think they're paying for. If you're paying sort of five, six, seven pounds a pint nowadays, which most places are, it's people want the whole experience, not just that liquid chucked in any old glass. Um, yeah, make, makes, a, makes a huge difference, I, I do think. Mm. Do the thing I was thinking while you were talking there was, I guess there's, you know, I guess an easy way to do this would probably, or a formatted way to do this, was probably to think about the whole customer journey, and really think about breaking every tiny little bit of it down into what you would probably consider to be too much detail, because that's how you're going to really extrapolate. Like, how can we have a, a, a mega impact on that ten-second period between X and Y? You know. But then I was thinking, I guess. There's the idea of kind of it, it should all be kind of drawn up a little bit and needs to be kind of on brand a little bit, doesn't it? It needs to all feel like I guess would, what I'm trying to say is it would be very easy to make that feel disjointed if you, if you didn't, yes, if you didn't, if you did, if it wasn't sort of continuous and similar in its approach and stuff. Have you got any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, absolutely. The, the whole experience has to flow, um, completely from, from the moment that someone decides they're going to book with you to the online booking experiences because that's where sort of 80% of the tables I get are all booked online. So it's making it as easy as possible. It's thinking about how many clicks does it take from somebody to get from Google to booking a table um, because it's too many. They'll just get lost or they'll give up. Um, and again, I suppose there's a lot of that in online competency and things and how confident are they doing so. But it's the things we still just have to think about. It's got to be easy. Um, and then, yeah, from the moment they arrive at the front door or, or the car park, it's is it clean and tidy? Is it is there enough gravel to actually cover your car park? That's a big one for me. I don't know why, but that little attention to detail, if they've taken care of that, for some reason, I'm it, it's it's a better experience all around. There's not the niggling thought in my head of like, well, if they can't be bothered to do that, what else haven't they taken care of? And every time I walk in, it's how clean are the beer pumps? Like Particularly if you're serving ale and they're made of brass, it's just like, have they been done this week? If not, it's like, well, what else hasn't been done this week? Mm -hmm. um, and that just, just, just parts of these like little niggling doubts in your mind. Um, but yeah, and then just having the whole experience, but trying your best to almost personalize it, um, I think is crucial. If, if somebody feels that they're getting an experience that flows from start to finish, but is also personal to them, whether it's just a date night or whether it's a, an anniversary or um, maybe it's a, like say 18th birthday or something like that, Little notes on the table, something as simple like that, that, that cost you five pence each. They, they take your host 10 seconds to write each one, but they make such a difference to the perceived value because it's like, oh, these people actually care about me. Um, and just, yeah, those little touches, those little kind of like almost guest woos, you might call them, um, really add to the perception of value because it's, it's additional time and thought that's been taken about that guest when they've not even been there. Yeah, absolutely. So... Can you think of any good examples where you've either been as a customer or you've worked and, you, and somebody who's, I guess, um, done this well and managed to kind of build this into their own culture? Um, yes, I shan't name names. Um, so I'm sure there's, there's good and bad things. Um, 
But yeah, there was a restaurant I worked in. It was back where I'm from in Norfolk. Um, and it was very good because it was quite a small place. Um, I think the front restaurant had something like 60 cupboards in total. Um, from the second people walked in, um, you had to basically greet them by name. Um, so you'd, you'd have to begin to memorize everybody. And the ones that you didn't know their name, you'd just try and figure it out by looking at your guest list and have your best shot. Um, so that they felt welcomed as soon as they walked in. And then you would walk them through to the bar instead of saying, like, oh, the bar's over there, go find it yourself. You'd take them through, ask them about their day, find out the reason behind their visit um, whilst you're getting them a drink. And then in the time when you're serving them their drink, communicate the reason behind their visit to the other team who then go and get the table ready for a visit of that type so whether it's a celebration and it's like right out comes the the balloons and the confetti and the i mean just poor examples i hate confetti um but they'd set the table up ready for an occasion of that type if it's a date night it's like right let's get some candles let's get them tucked away um and you only get about three or four minutes to do it but it makes a massive difference um to, to them kind of feeling like it's a very personal journey it's very just it's so valuable in a restaurant rather than walking in finding a table finding the bar finding your server having to ask to order your food like these things just for me are just absolute unforgivable no's mm-hmm. <laughs> unless that's the way the restaurant's set up in which case fine but most most aren't yeah yeah great example i love that so listen i'm gonna leave it there because i want this to be really bite-sized and snappy and we've got loads of good good suggestions there which um hopefully people have been jotting down if they're not driving um so alex your um your linkedin bio will be in the show notes so the listener can can head over to connect with you on linkedin uh, and i'll also put the particular um blog post that you, you you wrote into the show notes so people can read that as well um thank you so much really really useful that Hey, you're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It's great. Always enjoy doing these things. Cheers, buddy. Take care of yourself. And you, mate. Thank you. Take care.